Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Fire burns down your house. How do I replace personal documents was a very big and real question that someone asked me at the gym yesterday. I know that sometimes I bring in uh, some of the issues like gems and such like that a little bit too often, a little too regular. Um, But I think it's tapping the vein of what normal people are thinking. (laughs) My gym is anything but normal. The steps that you have to do from state to state vary, uh, but overall, they're pretty similar. Uh, what do you do if your vehicle registration burns down? What do you do if your Social Security card burns down? You can't apply for a replacement Social Security card online. You can apply for a replacement driver's license um, and passports, and there's other issues along this line as well. Um, there's a lot of paperwork that a lot of people kind of take for advantage. And a good financial planning firm um, will introduce you to some place to put your paperwork. And it's like an electronic vault. At one point in time, I had an idea for a business plan that would be kind of like a mom and pop. Not a mom and pop, but kind of an H&R Block small city pop-up store um, that would help people electronically scan items and store them online whether it be your trust, your will, your birth certificates, things along those lines. Uh, But yeah, replacing that stuff is not easy. It's not, you know, I'm not going to say cheap. Uh, It takes time. So, and again, anytime there's a disaster, you're kind of focused on something else. So for passport, you want to visit the State Department website. For a Social Security card, you want to go to ssa.gov. For a driver's license, you need to get a new driver's license or renew the one that you have. You got to contact the DMV. Then, for like birth certificates, marriage and divorce decrees, you know, replacement on those uh, can be found for the Center for Disease Control and Prevention website. And you're like, whole what? <laughs> what did you just say? Center for a Disease Control and Prevention website? Yeah. So your birth and death certificate, marriage and divorce decree is found there. Bank records, obviously, you'd want to call the bank um, or contact the bank. Uh, but there's a lot going on there, and protecting your paper is pretty insane as, as far as people just don't do it. I don't do it. I don't do it as well as I should. Um, so get a scanner, scan it, throw it online. So Cron TV, the station that I work for in television, is going to have an insurance agent on today who's talking a lot of stuff along those lines. But, you know, for something like a driver's license, yeah, visit a local California DMV office. 
you fill out a driver's license or ID card application. You provide proof of your identity, which could be your social security number, your um, some sort of residency. So you'd prove like maybe a show a bill tied towards that house. It's not that complicated, but it is something you should get on. There's typically a $27 fee or something along those lines to get a duplicate license. And uh, you know, there's more details online. But it's something that people don't necessarily think about when there's fire kind of thing. You're thinking about getting out of the house. And the recent Northern California fires, a lot of people left their house in underwear. Um, but, wow, like I can't even imagine some of the thoughts on like replacing your kid's social security number um, card and things like that. You know, kids don't travel with IDs. They travel with social security cards more often than not. So a lot going on there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and or more. Um, stock market is hitting regular highs pretty regularly. I'm seeing more signs from analysts who say, watch out, we're in for a debt market downturn. Netflix, United Healthcare, Johnson, Johnson, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley all had earnings in the last 24 hours. All did well on some factor. I'm not, I don't have the time to break them all down, and I didn't do the breakdown on all of them. So all I can tell you is that they all did okay. Um, cash seems to be buying the market. Uh, there's never more than 5% pullbacks, um, and that's not normal. And that's one of the reasons why analysts are saying we're due for a big pullback. Big being 5%. And fast, big being 15% slow, I don't know. No one has the answer. Um, right now, the equity markets are reflecting enthusiasm. Stock markets are reflecting excitement. There's you know, synchronized global growth. There's arguments out there that equity markets have gotten ahead of themselves. And they're due for a corrective period. It's weird because when I got in the market 20 years ago, when I got in the business 20 years ago, people were like, it's never this good. And 10 years later, I'm like, that was pretty good. But it can't be that good 10 years from now. And like now I'm like, whoa. I remember when there was corrections. Um, I remember when there was problems. Um, correction is just a figment of people's imagination at this point in time. It doesn't feel real, right? Uh, so I throw that out there for you. Earnings season, Netflix came out with numbers last night, and they were spectacular, spectacular. Wonderful, wonderful. Fantastic, fantastic. Do you say it twice makes it more nice, right? If I wasn't so nice, I wouldn't say it twice. So Netflix today hits an all-time high. And we forget that there are buying opportunities in Netflix. And I forget, too. Um, when is the entry point in Netflix? And typically what I'm going to say on a hyper-growth stock like that, and keep in mind, hyper-growth stocks are sometimes once-in-a-lifetime. It's like that Peebo Bryson song. We had a once in a lifetime, but we just didn't know it until our lives fell apart. Um, so Netflix, not at its all-time high right now. It's 19 cents off its all-time high. It's at $202.41 uh, versus its you know, $202.75. Um, and after markets, things could jump a little bit higher, a little bit lower. It's a little bit more inefficient.
if ever you're in my arms again. Oh, come on. This is awesome. So bad. You want to hear sad? Um, back in high school, my brother David, a little bit older than me, four or five years, he would watch soap operas after school, One Life to Live or something like that, and he totally fell in love with an actress. And then Santa Barbara became a soap opera, and I, it didn't last terribly long, but Robin Wright was on it. Robin Wright from Netflix's TV show. Um, and every time she had a love scene, in the fr- like she saw her old boyfriend got out of jail or something like that, and every time they'd see each other accidentally, they'd play this song. So it's embedded in my head like nonstop because I wanted to be like my brother David. Little Santa Barbara uh, soap opera for you. I can't think of who Cruz was, but it's Robin Wright, and he ends up being a pretty big actor too. Spanish actor, Spanish-American actor, Latin actor, I don't know what you call it. So anyway, um, I'm Rob Black, and if ever you're in my arms again, this time, I'll love you forever. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One thing that I like doing is automating everything, uh, automating, bill, automating bill pays. Do you do that? Do you not feel comfortable with it? It kind of stinks at time, but I don't know. I, I don't think I have a magical system, and I hope other people have a system, and I'd love to hear your system. Rob at robblackshow.com, but uh, setting up your bills to be paid automatically online, good idea. Um, setting up your bank for me online is a good idea, but not for everyone. Um, setting up your budget online to remind you that you get deposits in your bank account and deposits and money coming in and money coming out of your bank account, I think is a good idea. I've set up all my credit cards and all my bank statements so that anytime there's a transaction, it texts me. You could set it up for a $30 traction, uh, transaction, $100 transaction, $150, $153, if that's your magic number. And I think it's a good idea just so you can see it coming and going. Um... It helps you with a budget. So a lot of this technology can be done online. Mint.com, M-I-N-T. M-I-N-T.com. Uh, will help you with budgeting. Uh, your online bank, whether it be Bank of America or Wells Fargo, any online bank, I think, has a pretty robust solution now online. A lot of them have pretty good apps. More of them are introducing new projects into their apps so that you could do things like um, take pictures of checks and deposit it that way. That's pretty cool. I've got to check on my refrigerator right now. Listen to this sad and patheticness. I got a rebate from one of my mortgage properties in North Carolina that sent me a check for like 160 bucks because there was too much money going into escrow or something happened with escrow. So I know you're saying you're a money guy and you don't know how, trust me, it's, it's in the details, right? Uh, but it's been on my refrigerator now for a month, and if I wasn't so lazy, 
I'd open my Bank of America app or whatever app, take a picture of the check and do it that way. Now, you know what's interesting about that is, isn't that putting people out of jobs? I was talking to CFP Chad Burton last night. Like, if I take a picture of a check and deposit it that way, isn't that putting a teller out of a job? Kind of, right? Um, and I feel kind of bad about that. They took our jobs! They took our is there a word, D-E-R? If not, shouldn't it be? I'm Rob Black talking money, investing in more. Let me change the topic and get the, the hell off my ear at this point. Um, I've even for. I've even forgotten what I was talking about, which is a surprise prize, right? So anyway, I, I set it all up on apps at this point in time, and uh, it's kind of interesting, right, uh, the way that plays out. Um, having an app take a photo, deposit the check. Um, I have my apps automatically pull money out of my bank account and pay for my bills, my credit card bills. I try to, have to do everything on credit card bills, but there's some things you can't do. Sometimes it's mortgages, sometimes it's PG&E, things like that. Or you can do PG&E, but you have to set up an account and blah, 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 blah. Just link it all together. And once you do it, it's pretty nice. But having that little automation, to me, is a lifesaver. Is there anything that you do to cut and save in corners? I would be interested to know because I think um, I think that's good stuff. Um, I think that's good information. Like life hacks, if you were. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Money, investing, and more. Someone asked me recently a question about interviews, and I'm not good at, I'm not giving, I'm not giving an interview advice on what to wear. I'm not giving interview advice on how to answer questions. I would say, of course, you want to build your resume, have it run through somebody. I think, of course, you want to like word check it and make sure it's along the lines that you want it to be. Um, I saw an interesting story yesterday that I want to share ever so quickly. Um, Alibaba has announced that they're getting into speakers just like Amazon, Alexa and Google's home and down the road, Apple's HomePod. But Alibaba said they're going to put these speakers in things like restaurants and grocery stores so that you'll be able to talk to them. And I don't know what Alibaba's assistant's name. It's not Alexa. It's not Siri. But let's say it's Ken. So in theory, you'll be at a grocery store and you'll we'll say, hey, Ken. And down the road, they want Ken to know every person's voice. It's not a crazy idea. Down the road, you'll be able to a grocery store and say, hey, Ken, where's the Wonder Bread? And Ken will be able to say back to you, Wonder Bread's on aisle four. So I think Alibaba is taking what Amazon's doing. Hey, Alexa, play clap, hand clap song. And you're like, what is the name of that? Play clap song. Play fits in the tantrums, and then plays the wrong fits in the tantrums. You're like, play, um, it's the number one thing people ask Alexa is to play the hand clap song, and no one knows the name of the hand clap song by fits and tantrums. But Alibaba's figuring out a little bit better in trying to push this technology into stores and restaurants and banks and things along those lines. So you'll be standing in a bank line, and there you go. This is the number one song requested of Alexa. How cool is that? I don't know enough about this band. I wish I'd seen them in concert before they got big. Because they were playing L.A. a lot. And he just seems to me kind of like um, like a Daryl Hall. 
Like even the song Money Grabber, I think he sounds like Daryl Hall. But tantrums sound like Oats times 10. So I always wanted to be Oats because Daryl Hall was the cool guy, but Oats got to go, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like he didn't contribute a lot to the song, it didn't look like, but he got Hall and Oats, right? So I like these little life hacks that we can figure out and share with each other, like taking pictures of checks and things like that. Uh, don't focus on time and effort. Focus on results instead. And a lot of people really try their best to focus on time and effort. And they never get to the point of making lists and crossing off lists. I'm a list guy. I love a good list. Um, you know, one of the life hacks that I can tell you right now is invest at least 10% of your income in you. Not in others, but in you. Um, in your retirement account, in your future. Um, try to invest your downtime into you. So, yeah, watching the Sharks game is great. Watching the World Series is great. But in your off time, you should be learning. You should be reading books. You should be taking classes. You should be pushing yourself because with your spouses and with your friends talking about the Yankees, did you see that Aaron Judge hit that home run? It's not going to add a lot of depth in the long run. I know, I know. I've got a friend who watches way too much TV. And he's got a kid. I'm like, you're going to regret that. Uh, I like to learn to create value, brain power, intelligence, and such. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So Britney Spears sings, oops, I did it again. And the stock market seems to be hitting record highs again and again. And she says, I'm not that innocent. I want to come back to this in just a second. And Netflix said it. Oops, I did it again. They had a great quarter and their stock hits another high. Um, And are they playing with our heart? I want to ask Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, how are you today? Hey, Rob, I'm doing well. Thank you. You can steal the oops, I did it again for your column. If you want to quote Britney Spears. <laughs> uh, maybe I stole it from you then. <laughs> That's totally fair. Uh, great, great minds think alike, right? <laughs> oh, I think I stole it. There's a good chance. Um, there's not one original thought in my head. But quick question for you. The markets hit a high yesterday. In, in the song, she goes, I'm not that innocent. Are we hitting real highs? Are we hitting highs that you feel comfortable with? Um, and my implication here is, is this just momentum? Is it going to go away? Is this just technical? It'll break down. Are these new highs based on earnings? Are these new highs based on a good foundation? And I, I don't expect you to have a crystal ball, but how do you feel about these market highs we're hitting? Yeah, well, I think the uh, the issue with this market really is that you, I think everyone's got a good defense of their argument, you know, um, you know, bulls can argue fundamentally that the market is behaving in the manner that it should because you have um, low interest rates, uh, pickup in global growth, um, and continued earnings growth, uh, and then you have this prospect of tax reform hanging out there on, on, on the horizon. Um, but at the same time, you know, the bears can turn it around and say that we've gotten really far ahead of ourselves here because uh, tax reform is just a, an idea. It's not uh, anything that's concrete yet. 
uh, and that you do have this uh, heightened sense of complacency uh, that you could see embedded in the low level of the VIX index, uh, which is interesting to me because the further the stock market has climbed, you really haven't seen any movement in the VIX index, you know, which suggests that um, that a lot of participants continue to think that this market will remain on cruise control, which in and of itself can be a dangerous thought because it means most people are leaning in the same direction. So if you get a counter-trend move, it can happen quickly uh, and can be uh, material. So, um, I, you know, I don't, I'm not entirely comfortable with the market, uh, frankly. Um, I do think that we're uh, stretching uh, the bounds in terms of valuation. Um, and, we, you know, I think that we're hitting an inflection point here, which uh, uh, which is going to involve more central bank tightening, I think, because you do have this pickup in global growth. Um, and, uh, and it's become a little bit more worrisome as far as asset values are concerned because the central banks have been slow to remove that, that uh, accommodation. And so you've seen some inflated asset prices as a result of it. And um, uh, so I'm not wildly uh, uh, favorable about this, this stock market right now, but I do get that um, there's certainly some good underpinning momentum right now, and people are finding reasons not to sell into year-end. Uh, and one of them is this idea that you could get tax reform that potentially uh, allows for lower uh, long-term capital gains rates. I've come to a sense just from watching the media from afar, and I do sometimes watch it close and sometimes from afar, I kind of get the sense that Trump, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, might not get his agenda through on tax cuts in 2017, maybe in 2018, maybe in 2019. Does that lead to a correction? Are we built up on you know corporate tax cuts a little bit too much, personal tax cuts a little bit too much? And again, I'm I'm well, seeing it from afar, so I don't I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, I suppose we're all going to find out. Um, and actually, right. one of the it's interesting you bring that up, Rob, is kind of kicking the the tires on a few ideas here for my big picture column this week. And and one of them does revolve around this idea of uh, would it be a bad thing if we don't get tax reform in 2017? Um, you know, you could argue that. Uh, mm. un- from an unconventional standpoint, it might be a good thing for the stock market that you don't get it in 2017 because the stock market will continue to cling to the idea that you're going to get it in 2018. Um, and it seems like the Trump administration um, has a, a window still in 2018 that could go right up even through the, th- the third quarter uh, because the midterm elections are not until November, which is falls in the fourth quarter of 2018. And, and I think that that's, you know, really where, uh, uh, where, the, where the drop dead date is, I think, is, is that uh, is leading up to those midterm elections. I think if you can get some tax reform done that invites lower tax rates, uh, the market would be okay with that. Um, you know, if you don't get it before the end of the year here, yeah, maybe it creates a little selling pressure um, because I do think that there has been some uh, inflated assets relative to this idea that you will get a tax cut before year end. Uh, but assuming that there is no um, hard evidence, proof, or narrative that suggests this tax deal is not getting done at all, I think the stock market will continue to, to cling to the notion that something's going to get done that's going to invite lower tax rates, and that can continue to be an underlying source of support. So change the topics ever so slightly. Uh, one of the headlines that I saw yesterday was Donald Trump interviewing 
different potential Fed presidents to replace Janet Yellen, including Janet Yellen. So maybe we just stay status quo. Um, how important do you think it is to have that Fed chairman um, role filled with someone that were, uh, I guess, the winner, you know, the best resume or maybe the best for the market or the best for the Trump presidency? Um, I don't really know what we're looking for in a Fed president. And, you know, up until Ben Bernanke, it then Greenspan, when Greenspan left, we started kind of realizing the importance of it because Greenspan was there for so long. What do you feel about the potential transition coming up and the process that we're going through to find the replacement right now? Yeah, well, it's a great pocket of uncertainty right now um, because the role of Fed chair, I think, is going to be supremely important. Uh, not that it isn't already, but especially so in, in the coming years as the Federal Reserve you know, tries to extricate itself from its extraordinary monetary policy that was put on after the financial crisis. And, uh, you know, we're just at the start of that process in terms of trying to, you know, normalize the balance sheet. Um, so uh, I do enjoy the idea of, of there being some continuity and leadership there, um, whereas bringing in a complete outsider, which I know some people would prefer, uh, but that does raise the level of uncertainty if you bring in a total outsider who um, hasn't been at the Fed or, um, you know, because you don't know how they're going to uh, make a name for themselves, you know, initially as, as they try to distance themselves perhaps from the policies of Fed Chair Yellen. So, uh, so it's interesting to me, though, right now that uh, it seems like in the media you, you hear that, you know, Kevin Warsh uh, and, you know, Fed Governor Powell seem to be leading candidates, and now you're hearing more about John Taylor perhaps, you know, being in the mix as, as you know, as the Fed Chair. And, uh, and we've heard the president say, you know, that he's a low-interest rate guy. So it would okay. it would seem somewhat counterintuitive to me that he would want to nominate a Fed chair who would you know be in favor of you know a quote <laughs> the Taylor rule uh, or someone like Kevin Warsh who who you know has spoken out against the Fed's accommodative policies and, and seemingly would be inclined to be more hawkish than Ms. Yellen is. Um, so I'm be surprised you know if if either of those candidates were the ones he ultimately named, which makes me think that either Fed Chair Yellen or Fed Governor Powell uh, would. Would be the likely uh, nominees here. So I'm not taking Yellen out of the equation uh, at this juncture by any means. I really like your work, Patrick O'Hara, and I put this on my Facebook page and we send it to you and you retweet it out to your briefing.com subscribers. Um, you kind of blew my mind when I stopped and thought about that. And I want to see if I can go back before Jenny Yellen. Did you say that you think the market doesn't need the tax cuts this year because we, and I'm putting words in your mouth, because we kind of mm -hmm. had a good year in the market, and we could save that ammo and have another good year in the market down the road, maybe next year or the year after. Was that what was implied? Was that the fantasy that I heard? <laughs> well, it, what, I was, what I was getting at was really that uh, you have to also assume that you're going to continue to have low interest rates as well, because um, okay. low interest rates have really have been the sustaining factor for this equity market. It's, it's why you continue to hear why there's no, you know, better investment alternative. But so if low interest rates, if interest rates stay low, I do think that the right. market can kind of also cling to this notion of tax reform happening at some point before the midterm elections as another source of support. Um, okay. But if low interest rates go away, then it's another, another, another issue. I don't think I'm the only person out there that I want the bull market to find reasons to rally every year for the next 20 years until I retire. 
And that's kind of the fantasy that I was living there. Um, next topic, I'm going to let you choose this one. Anything that you're working on right now that is going to be headline news that you and I will chat about in the weeks to come? Well, you know, we're starting to get into earnings season here, of course, and so that's going to be, you know, my focal point this week as we start hearing from more of these blue chip companies. And, um, you know, so as I mentioned earlier at the top of the interview, I'm kind of kicking around a few ideas of what I might write about. I don't have anything set at this particular point uh, for the big picture column, but I uh, wouldn't be surprised if it revolved around something related to the earnings scene uh, that we here see unfolding this week. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us. It's Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. His content is second to none. His He rolls with the punches and rolls with the flow, so to speak. We don't script our content in any way, shape, or form. Some of it's predictable. What are you seeing? But some of it's not predictable uh, along the lines of how we just took that conversation. Briefing.com does a great job of presenting data. I check overnight the in-play to see what's happening. In the morning, I start with the page one that Patrick pens. And the end of the week, uh, the big picture that uh, you know some of the writers, including himself, put together. There's a lot of good content, including IPOs, story stocks, technicals, all at briefing.com. You can find more information at briefing.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. I'm not sure what that was, that sound, but it sounded kind of cool. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I want to help you create and build wealth into the future. Um, That's kind of important to me. I think it's a good business practice to think that way. So I want you to save 10% of your income at least, hopefully up to 15%, if not more. Um... I'm guilty of that at times, that I wish I could have saved more. So I am guilty at times where people ask me for money that I, sh- I lend them and I shouldn't and I never see it again. So my wealth plan shouldn't become your financial needs. My wealth plan should be create my wealth in my life and don't tap me to be your money machine or your ATM per se. So other ideas on the same kind of vein is... You know, quickly learn about banking and investing and saving and emergency funds. Um, I've been blessed in my life that I have a career that I get to learn every day more about creating wealth and preserving wealth and managing it. And I get to work with incredible people like CFP Chad Burton, who him and I don't always get along terribly well. In fact, at times it's contentious. Uh, but we always push each other to bring better ideas to the table of creating wealth and preserving wealth, and I like that about him enormously. Um, I've seen horrible things. I've seen people in divorce start mediating, and it become just terribly nasty, where there's $12 million on the table, and they'll fight about $15,000. It's a shame. That's one of the pieces of advice I'll, I'll give you, is try to get on the same page. You should have a wealth-building plan that's yours and your spouse's, And when it starts becoming other people involved, you should be very cautious about that. Um, I don't do a lot of learning for entertainment. Um, I do a lot of learning to create more value. I think the key secret to success is not excessive expertise, but the ability to use it. Knowledge is worthless unless you apply it. And I see way too many people never apply the thoughts in their head. 
And then again, I see some people like Francisco, and he knows who he is, and other people that do a great job of saving and investing and saving even more, and somehow still finding time to keep the spark in the relationship still going. I think that's difficult. So when you're investing you know, some of your money into side projects, hopefully you're investing that money into vehicles that will generate more money. So I like calling it putting money into baby, and then baby makes another baby. And so we have baby money on top of money. Um, I do think there's a time and place to lend money. I do think there's a time and place to, you know, bust the bank. But I think there's also a time and place to get ahead so you can take your foot off the accelerator at some point in time. So the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Uh, The best time to start investing was 20 years ago. So when you have money making money, that works well for you. And again, if you have nothing saved, if you're living in LA or you're living, you know, watching cable TV a lot or going to sporting events, um, you're not getting it. So I think you should shift your motivation from getting to giving. I try to give as much information as I can as possible. A lot of radio shows and TV shows in the financial world, they're trying to get you to give them money, get them to give you business, um, get you to give them business, and it's, it's transaction-oriented. I think if you give people, you know, teach them how to fish, it has a much better payoff than just giving them a fish or giving them fish and charge them 10 bucks. Be very careful on the advice that you get out there. The world gives to givers and takes from takers. That's a phrase that pays, in my opinion. Openly acknowledge how dependent you are on other people. I think we all need each other. I think we all need help. And uh, when it comes to painting a car, I don't know what to do. When it comes to investing, I do. When it comes to cooking, I'm pretty good if I have all day. I'm pretty horrible if I've got an hour and a half. I'm okay if I've got 15 minutes. My mother was the master of being able to pull stuff out of cabinets and putting a, together a meal. So learning that you're dependent on others to help and to guide and to grow is, I think, pretty powerful. So you want to create a win-win strategic partnership to achieve your goals. And I don't think enough people do that with their partners in life. And I think you can do 10 times your goals. I think you can do 100 times your goals if you're on the same page. If you're on a separate page, you're, you're heading for divorce. In a business, if you want to create a win-win situation, you've got to get on the same page. Otherwise, you're heading for underperformance. All failed companies are the same. They fail to escape competition, and sometimes they fail to escape each other. Most people are in a state of competition rather than collaboration. I think that's a very, very true statement. So competition is focused on the self. Um, It's also very low-level thinking because what you can do on your own is very limited. When you can collaborate, you can do much, much more. Um, You want to set your goals, and then you want to raise those goals. So if you want it one to two million for retirement, you know, that's going to pay you $48,000 a year, but then you have to keep your budget in line. You have to start thinking long-term. And you got to think of what your metrics for success are going to be and or not. Market yourself. I think that's pretty important. Uh, Know what you know and get comfortable with it. Connect with people. Persuade them. Help them. So many people think marketing is nasty. I think it's just communication. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.